Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so excited to let you know that our brand new book, Simple Money, Rich Life, is finally out. Yes, and if you enjoy the podcast, we think you're gonna love it. And if you like hearing our friendly voices, then you should grab the audiobook yes. on Audible. And if you don't, then just grab the paperback, grab the Kindle. <laughs> and if you do grab a copy, we want to hear from you. So send us a message on Instagram or send us an email and let us know what you think. Yeah. And again, the name is Simple Money, Rich Life, and you can grab your copy anywhere books are sold. Anywhere. Pretty much any place that sells books, they <laughs> should have it. I am excited today because I have Ben Kirby here, and he is, if you are on Instagram, you've probably heard of this account, Preachers and Sneakers, and it kind of blew up a couple years ago, highlighting what uh, a lot of preachers are spending on whatever shoes or whatever. And so I wanted to bring him on, just have a conversation about this. And the reason I wanted to is just because I've observed that he's actually very intellectually honest about this thing. And I think there's a lot to talk about here. So with all that, Ben, thank you for coming on and chatting, brother. Hey, Bob. Thanks for having me, man. This is fun. And I have to say, I watched some of your videos before this and really impressed with what you guys do. Like over 100K subs on YouTube and somehow you got a 34X return on some stock that you didn't say out loud, but I'm interested to maybe <laughs> learn which stock that was. And if you have any other of those hot burning tips. Yeah, so investing. we could we could talk all about that and go on that path, and, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and we've been at it a while, so it doesn't happen overnight. Sure, by any means. But anyway, so yeah, you got a book out, so you launched this Instagram account that blew up like crazy. Then you mm -hmm. wrote a book, and so that came out what a year or two ago. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. And so what's so cool about it that I think so many people were probably surprised by is this Instagram account appears to just be kind of poking fun, and it doesn't seem like someone who would start an account like that would have the depth and substance that you do that mm. comes out in the book. And I, and I mean this as a compliment. I hope it sure. comes across. No, I've, I've heard this a ton of times. <laughs> like, Cause, yeah, because the book is like, it's just really solid. I think one of the endorsements you had for it or a, a highlight or something, someone mentioned that, that you managed to do the impossible, like actually be really funny and important at the same time. <laughs> and I thought that was just perfect description of it. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for somehow being equipped to have this conversation about a very messy topic about yeah. church leaders and money and spending and celebrities and social media, that kind of thing. And I talk about it in the book, like why I was the person, like I'm this idiot military dude that, you know, grew up in the South and is not a theologian or hasn't studied this stuff more than like my quiet time here, here and yeah. there. And so it, it's been an interesting ride the past like three years or so. And it, it's happened all organically. Like I've never run ads and I've never, I mean, I guess we maybe ran some ads for the book, but in terms of growing the account on Instagram, it just all grew organically. All right. So let's kind of dive in here and talk a little bit about this because it is, it's such a tricky topic. I've been talking about money and finance and Christianity like for 14, 15 years on the internet now. So I, mm -hmm. I know to some degree, what you've probably experienced as you've kind of made statements. And in my world, honestly, one of the most controversial things to talk about is tithing. I'm, I'm assuming we've had very similar experiences about Christians and money. For whatever reason, it's some like prerequisite of being a Christian or being in Christian 
spheres that you have to be weird and kind of hush hush about money. Otherwise, it's on the opposite end of the spectrum where people are super vocal and angry about what Christians do with their money. It's basically like the worst subject to specialize in if you're trying to make money, because if you try to make any kind of money off of anything that you do, you, you inevitably attract the people that are trying to make you out to be a hypocrite, that kind of thing. And it, yeah, okay. So this brings up a good point because I've observed, you know, because I have been an overt Christian, I mean, really targeting Christians with our message. Mm -hmm. uh, and therefore, I have felt a lot of pressure to not live a luxurious lifestyle. But on the other hand, like I have a lot of friends who are doing exactly what I'm doing, who are Christians, solid Christians, but like have no pressure. And I mean, outward pressure, I guess I should yeah. say outward pressure to live as lavish of a lifestyle as they want. Now, I don't think one or the other is necessarily wrong, but I think at the end of the day, I think it should be internal pressure that should be driving those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, thoughts? Conviction. You know, it makes it, this is the whole discussion at a high level is like, once you connect profitability to spiritual things, it starts to get pretty messy. I absolutely believe that people that work hard should get paid. I mean, yeah. I got my MBA. I believe in making a profit. I believe it drives innovation and problem solving, that kind of thing. But it feels a little different when you do it, when your time is funded from sacrificial donations of people that are trying to quote unquote, further the kingdom. Yeah. That's where it starts to get a little weird. And I've tried to make the distinction the whole time. The fact that you can't distinguish me from a megachurch pastor is the problem. Like the, the fact that you're just as mad that I'm selling a t-shirt as maybe this other guy who's living off tithe dollars is now selling another New York Times bestseller to his church congregation. There seems to be some differences in there, but a lot of people are unequipped to make those distinctions. And so it's just yeah. a messy topic when you envelop Christian or Christianity within a business line or a profit center. The hardest thing for me is trying to figure out where that line is Yep. of Whatever. I mean, in, even in the case of your Instagram account, I'm curious where the line is of the price where it's like, eh, that's that's not that expensive, you know, where it's like, I'm not going to feature that, you know, and mm -hmm. that's just an example of where is the line? Do you know what I mean? Where, what have you landed on with this? The easiest line to come to is the moment it becomes a distraction from your ministry is the moment you should reevaluate it. Yeah. Because yeah, I am not so arrogant to think that I am an authority on what is and what is not appropriate to spend on a pair of shoes. I've never claimed to be like 500 and below yep. is, is the number. <laughs> what I can say is like, Hey guys, it sure does seem like from a macro level that your ministry seems a lot more about fame and platform and celebrities and looking yep. good as it is to like pointing people to the creator of the universe. Like it, there's a lot of nuance within that, but I think the moment it distracts or it makes your ministry about you instead of about pointing to God, that's where you should start to evaluate. And of course, like reference points matters. We're like richer than 99% of the world just by, you know, having a house and a single car. And so like reference points matter, but I at least want to get people to try to at least audit that for themselves and not just be like, yeah, whatever. These guys are free to make money however they want. It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I think God probably cares about how his quote unquote shepherds are stewarding yeah. their finances and the finances of those that they're in charge of. Yeah. You mentioned the reference point, like, cause that's really important <laughs> because when we think through that lens, I think it's 40,000 a year or something, 45,000 a year or something like that is the top 1% in the world. Yeah. And when you understand that, like anyone listening to this is very, very wealthy Yeah. and 
when you when you realize that like i am the rich that paul was talking about in what was it first timothy six like i am the rich that need to be thinking about this stuff Mm -hmm. because i think it's easy to stand back it's so easy to throw stones from where you are not having been in that situation and be like yeah i would never do that if (laughs) you know and anyways it's a tricky thing but another thing i was just thinking about with this when i first started blogging whenever the iphone first came out 2007 2008 somewhere in there an actual blog not oh yeah yeah i started blogging in um, 2007 and so i remember reading this article that basically said for christians buying an iphone is a sin because it's too extravagant Hmm. and so what's interesting about this is because it was 200 dollars more than like the most expensive phone at the time so it's like that's too extravagant extravagant, therefore it's a sin. And I guess my point in this is that like, this all shifts, you know what I mean? This is like shifting sand because now it's like you go into church, 50, 70% of the people have an iPhone. You know what I mean? So like, and it's a slippery slope to just definitively say that you don't want it to be a cop out where, you know, well, I live in a wealthy area. So my point of reference is different than somebody in a third world country. Like, I think we should still care about caring for and contributing to human flourishing where people are suffering. But yes, it's a ridiculous conversation to have saying no one should ever have the newest iPhone. No one is in a position to say that, but I think it's worth at least trying to encourage people to examine that for themselves. Because there is like the word modesty comes up a lot in the conversation, especially if you're on a stage preaching about Jesus, there is an element of wisdom that comes from considering what you wear, how you present yourself. And you know, you don't want to live by fear, but also you want to be considerate. Life is hard. And a lot of people are not experiencing a prosperity gospel type life situation. And I think it's, it's naive to not consider that at all. Yeah. So something that I have wrestled with, I'm assuming that you think about this a little bit too, but you know, given the nature of what I do, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, but because again, I'm speaking to Christians and I I feel a sense of obligation given that just kind of what you're talking about a little bit. I have kind of in the back of my head created some rules for myself of I'm probably never gonna buy X, that type of car, that thing, whatever. And not necessarily because I think it's wrong to own that, but because I think it might affect my witness. I think there are people right or wrong who might be judging me and dismissing me and removing the opportunity for me to speak into their lives because of me owning that thing. Yeah. Do you think that's healthy? Brands matter. And the, the message that brands send, whether you agree with it or not, they do send a message. The whole 2015 BMW versus a 2022 Suburban. No one's going to say anything about your Suburban, most likely. But if you had a BMW, they're going to mention the Beamer. Like brands can the hilarity of it. <laughs> yeah. And I think every pastor ever has probably dealt with this in some capacity. The only thing you can do is have people close to you that know you well and could speak into whether or not you care too much about those things or not. Yeah. Like if you're buying a Beamer because you like the idea that people know that you have a Beamer, then that's probably an issue. But if you have five people that know you and your situation well enough that they can be like, hey man, you've been working hard. We know that you've been budgeting and saving and giving and you found a good deal on this Beamer that you've always wanted. Like, I think there's a way to do it and then just buy it securely where, okay, I know people are gonna maybe comment on this, but I've vetted it through people that actually know me 
and can speak into my life. There's wisdom there. And people have different ideas. Like everyone spends money on luxuries of some kind, at least in the Western world. And it's a matter of whether those things own you or not. Because I feel this absolute same pressures. You know, my whole thing is to get people to consider the message they're sending online and through their lives and their ministries and everything. I've got to do the same. People would call me an a-hole if I was taking selfies with celebrities and wearing a Gucci belt. Like none of those things are inherently wrong, but the heart behind those things matter. And also let's not be tacky. Like it would be pretty tacky for me to do some of that kind of stuff. Okay, so let's transition this. I know we're kind of going us in different directions here, but I think it's an important conversation. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are. Let's go to Carl Lentz. Let's take away the moral failing, but him connecting, being able to reach into a segment of society that most people can't, and possibly being able to influence these influencers, whatever, Bieber, I, I don't even know who all went to his church and who he had a relationship with, but yeah, my initial thought of that, I, I feel like there are two knee-jerk reactions to that. It's either that's wrong. He shouldn't be doing that. Or like, that's awesome. Let's cheer him on because he's able to influence the influencers. And I know Bieber and him fell out or whatever, but the point is that I don't know if Bieber would be where he was if it wasn't for Carl. And I heard a podcast that Carl did a week before the whole thing came out with the scandal. And he was with Logan Paul or something like that. And the dude was like, I mean, he was, what was coming out of his mouth was really good. And I was excited that he was there to influence Logan Paul. And so, and that leads to the whole thing of like God using people, even when they're in a mess and all the stuff that can go so many different directions. But I guess my question or statement, or I'm just curious what your thoughts mm-hmm. are on that. Like, how do you do that? Deal with a calling to influence the influencers or, or whatever the group might be and do it right. What would you do if you were in his situation? No, that's a, that's a question. I agree with you. And I've spoken with Carl several times. Like he has a gift for communicating and interacting in a way that builds trust like immediately and allows him to talk the same talk that powerful, influential people can talk and make a way for him to be relatable to those people where they don't feel like they're being preached at or judged or any number of things that celebrities are concerned about. Celebrities are humans and hopefully are trying to pursue salvation in some way. I think it is in a vacuum great to influence influencers. It makes sense. Like it's the whole Hillsong model, all the megachurch models, like, hey, let's reach the people that can have the most reach. And, you know, then it's like the pyramid where you influence one person and they influence a bunch of people under them. On the surface, it's also a pretty cool calling to somehow have the ability to influence mainstream superstars. Yeah. Everyone knows that grew up in Christianity, that Christianity is not cool. And plenty of people have tried to make it cool. And this group of guys, Carl being the leader of them, found a way to make a brand of Christianity that was inherently cool, where you could market it, you could make a whole conference around it, you could make music albums and merch around it. And all of that was effective and good. The downside is that you build those ministries on one leg. And if that leg gets cut out, the entire ministry erodes. And unfortunately, when your ministry is based around like the brand of a single guy or girl, that's pretty dangerous. And I hope that ministry leaders at least can take heed of that and understand like, hey, it's awesome to grow in numbers and have effective reach to like influential celebrities, that kind of thing. But also the accountability thing is still real. Like you need people that can call you out on your stuff and make sure that you're not getting in back rooms and quiet places with just you and any number of vices. So, you know, 
if I was him and given the same opportunity, I'd probably try to do the same. Like if Drake and Bieber and Kevin Durant are trying to hang out with me, I'm most likely not going to push that away and try to find a way to like further my ministry with that. But you know, what sucks is when these guys just get a little too insulated or get in a position where they can be deceptive or do things behind closed doors that nobody else is going to ask them about. I mean, what, what do you expect? Being good looking, having power, money, influence, incredible clothing, all that kind of stuff. I sure hope it goes well for you, but also everything ever sells. Yeah. yeah, you're at least playing with some amount of fire. And so that makes me nervous. Even having the platform I have, and I guess I should say maybe people that have never seen what I do, my account does not exist to just like say pastors are wrong for wearing expensive shoes. It's more about driving a conversation around the whole topic. Like celebrity pastors are the product of this new form of Christianity that we do in the West. And it started with just me pointing out how much shoes are worth. I purposely kept it ambiguous because it's impossible to make one statement or the other to say which is right or which is wrong. My platform, it makes me nervous that like I've tried to over-index on having people ask me hard questions, speak into my life and call out whether or not I love too much that I've got a blue check and a few hundred thousand followers because it feels good. Like it feels good yeah. to have people say, man, you're doing something important or you're funny or you're whatever. You've got celebrities reaching out to you, that kind of thing. And I could be in the same position as them. Like I'm no better yeah. than them. It just makes me nervous because fame and money and influence can easily get it like polluted. Yeah. Yeah, I think just that nervousness and that awareness is so essential. I mean, this reminds me of Proverbs where it says, above all else, guard your heart. And I've heard multiple veteran, not just pastors, but some pastors, some just believers who have walked the walk a long time. Mm -hmm. And a common theme that I've heard from them in terms of how to do this thing right and run the race to the end without falling in one of many different ways is this accountability component that you're talking about, especially when you're in the limelight, have a lot of eyes on you and you have a lot of yes men around you. Mm -hmm. I think this is my observation from hearing what they've had to say that it's really important to have honest people around you who will give you honest feedback and tell you the truth and tell you when you start drifting and get a little bit weird. Yeah. Because like if we look at Bieber or Miley Cyrus or any number of these child stars, that's part of the problem is from a young age, all they hear is yes. Everyone around them is a yes man. And so of course they're going to become weird. Everybody comes yeah. weird when no one yeah. ever tells them no. Right. Yeah. And it starts to affect your interpretation of reality. Like when you have a platform, I mean, y'all have a ton of subs too. Having some amount of influence over people's decisions or thoughts or whatever can be pretty addicting. Yeah. If you put something out there and you get all this good feedback, it's like, oh, maybe I am awesome. Like, oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I do have this thing figured out and that just yeah. can so easily get polluted where it can lead you down a wrong path like i am not immune to it i enjoy making money i enjoy growing the account and getting a bunch of engagement that kind of thing all that feels good and that's one of those things that i've got to constantly ask myself and ask god and ask the people around me to check in on me yeah that's really good and i think that's just practical wisdom because i i think i read this in your book the year three on the enneagram is that correct? Yeah. yeah, I am too. And so I remember reading Ian Cron's book, if I remember right, he basically said like, it's really hard being a three in America because that's what America is. Like, yeah. it's like their drug, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And everything that we desire is what gets applauded yep. in America. It was different than in France or something, you know, but the point is people like us, everybody's celebrating stuff and this driven to succeed. Achievement. Stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyway, so this is something that I'm finding myself thinking a lot about because I'm determined 
to run this race to the end and to do it well and to not have a moral failing and not fall off. So it's something I'm thinking about a lot. And just like you mentioned how you have gotten nervous about some of this stuff. It's the same thing for me. And I don't want to live out of fear with it, but I just want to be smart and wise because I'm yeah. convinced that there's a way to do it right. And there's a way yeah. to avoid the deceitfulness of riches, you know, and on all these different things. I mean, power and fame and success and whatever, there's a way to do it right. And I don't know that any of us can do it in our own strength. I actually think that we probably need God's grace to have any chance of being successful at it. But I think that's probably part of the problem for a lot of people is you start getting big, start feeling successful, and then you just start to drift just a little bit, you know? Because yep. I, I know like my first hint of success online where we reached a certain milestone or whatever, I watched over that year or two, it was just the tiniest little drifting and the tiniest little amounts of pride that kind of to seep in. And it's like the smallest amount of success that anyone could possibly have pride <laughs> over. But like it started to creep in and it was so subtle mm -hmm. and you don't notice it day by day. But like two years later, looking back, it's like, oh, wow, I drifted from there, you know? And at that point in my life, I got to do some course corrections. And it wasn't like major, but just like a little bit of heart shift and taking uh, a little more credit, like thinking it, it was your efforts yeah. or like your ingenuity and yep. some of those things. And it, it, I think it's okay to be proud of your accomplishments, but it's one of those directional things. Like you're either heading towards humility and modesty and yep. good stewardship, or you're heading the opposite direction. It's always a moving target. Yeah, like it's like walking said. on this super steep hill. It's like, yeah. you can't really walk right on top. It's like you're, you're going one direction or the other. Right. Yeah. And it's just such a tricky balance to walk. But I, I remember Andy Stanley talking, he had a whole message just about walking in the balance. And there's so many aspects of Christianity and of our faith where there is a balance component where either extreme is just off, but we're yeah. called to walk in the tension, you know? Yeah. And, this, is what I, and this is the thing I talk most about in therapy with Really? With my counselor is about living in balance because yeah, the thing I struggle with too is being on the extremes. Like I'm either absolutely a hypocrite or I'm doing completely God's work. It's yep. one or the other, that kind of thing. And yeah, living in the balance and living in tension is one of those things that I need to work on. And it's something that I'm always trying to improve upon. It's hard because, you know, Really at, least on, at least on social, people want a definitive answer one way or the other. Yep. And sometimes you feel like you owe that to people when in fact, like oftentimes all I can say is, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you talk about this in the book or where your thoughts are, but I think it's probably pretty safe to say that some of this in terms of what you should be buying and how much you should spend on things, like I think some of this is circumstantial or unique to the individual. Like I think there's some individuals where it's like this thing might be the wrong thing and other people it might be different which adds yep. a whole nother element of complexity yep. and you know not being in a position to yeah i, I don't know it, it's such a tricky thing going back to the brand is like the beamer discussion like for some people it's playing into their desire to be loved or their desire to be seen as successful that kind of thing very much a heart issue and then for others you know they could be giving 99 percent of their wealth away and they want to buy a beamer and they're completely secure about it there's ways to have most things without it being toxic every time but when you live online you at least have to acknowledge that people are free to interpret what you put out there however they're going to interpret it and you can't really yeah. control that and you at least have to be aware of it yeah and that's <laughs> Those are the interesting times that we live in. Right. Yeah. So in terms of the book, because I've gotten a start on it, haven't been able to read the whole thing yet. I'm curious, 
Like, what are your big one or two things you want someone to take away from the book? Because like, from what I've seen of it so far, it's very much like you're trying to start a discussion, like you said, and not necessarily trying to say, if you spend more than $500 on shoes, you're wrong and whatever. Right. But what would you say like, are one of the two of those big things you want people to leave with? Yeah, if I could go back and do it again, I'd probably market the book a little different because to your point earlier, I think it was a little confusing for people. People didn't know what the book was going to be, like if it was going to be just about an Instagram account or if it was going to be a picture book with just the posts or if it was going to just be <laughs> roasting pastors, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I got a lot of feedback that people were pleasantly surprised about the questions or like how I tried to drive the discussion. I, I don't think it was perfect. And I think there's plenty of people that were better equipped to write a book about this. But, you know, the ultimate goal, I think for me was to get people to audit their own lives, like online, how they present their lifestyle picks, like them going on vacation and new purchases and, you know, get them to question whether or not they were part of the problem, causing people to envy, causing people to be dissatisfied with their own lives, like getting them to audit their piece of that. And then also audit their life in their real lives about how they spend and give and save and where their heart is behind why they purchase what they purchase. Like, I don't care if you buy sneakers or something with a brand on it. I do care about how the Christian life and what it means to follow Jesus is presented to the world. And I'm not doing this great. I struggle to read the Bible every day and I'm just as much of a sinner as every other sinner out there. But for whatever reason, I felt like this was an opportunity to try to get people to recenter their priorities and their focus, you know, for believers and then for non-believers, at least get them to audit how they're presenting themselves online and how they prioritize their finances. Cause I think that's good across the board. And the sneakers was just a way of getting into it. So really like I want believers to take their faith seriously because it's either super serious or it's not like the diluted version doesn't serve you at all. So I want people to take their faith seriously. I want them to ask good questions of their faith leaders and call them to a standard that they're called to in the Bible. And then ultimately audit their own heart behind their social presence and their finances. Yeah, I mean, in the heart thing, we teach about money a lot. And, and that's the common denominator. That's the thing that I see, you know, all throughout the Bible when we're talking about money is this common theme of it's about the heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jesus wants our hearts. <laughs> right. Um, and it's so easy to drift and to just begin making decisions based on mammon, you know, mm -hmm. and just subtle shifts. And, and as simple as, should I take this job or not? Well, yes, it pays right. more. So, of course, yeah. I'm going to take it. It's like, no, like, <laughs> yeah. let's pray about that. You know what I mean? And, and, the, and uh -huh. there's so many directions that that can go. And so I love that idea of, and I think it's just such a good challenge for all of us to continue to audit our hearts, audit our situations. And like we were talking about earlier, just this idea of I'm willing to, for me personally, I'm willing to trade, maybe not having something that I desire way up at some high extreme level that I would enjoy personally if that possibly opens up the opportunity for me to speak into someone's life and lead them to Jesus, I'm willing to make that trade, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think there's some, or maybe a lot who would argue that, well, it doesn't have to be either or, you know? And it's like, I don't know. And that maybe that's a fair point, but at the same time, like I know because I've been doing this long enough that there are just a lot of people who get offended by certain stuff. Yep. And therefore, if I can just minimize that offense in order to have an opportunity, like, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of those moving targets where you have to 
check in with your people about whether or not you care too much about that. Like there is yeah, a point where yeah. you care too much about the opinions of others. Yeah, and I, I definitely have leaned that way too. <laughs> yeah. As a three, like I care about whether or not people see me as achieving things and being successful. Yeah. I just naturally, you know, the Enneagram isn't gospel, but it's helpful to frame helpful framework. Yeah. Yeah. And the achievement thing and wanting to do more, always feeling like I've got to do more. You know, that's something worth bringing up to say, get your people to speak into about whether or not you care too much about whether people are pissed that you got a new car yeah. after saving for 10 yeah. years, like, you I know, know, I know, stuff like that. Yeah. And those are things that I've wrestled with for years too. Just finding that balance of getting comfortable, not having everybody liking me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause yeah. It's like, that's what I want, you know? Yeah. And, and the truth is, like, if you're going to take a stand for anything, it's going to happen that people don't like you. But yeah, that's still very uncomfortable and exhausting for me. Like, I have no grasp on how to do that. Like, I still get very upset if people are starting to get pissed at me in the comments or the DMs or whatever. And I don't even spend that much time online. Or like, I was in 2019, I was spending like eight to 10 hours a day on Instagram. And oh. now, I mean, wow. it was all it was all day because I was trying to respond. I was trying to grow the thing. I was trying to like be funny and creative, that kind of thing. And we had our son April of last year. So I've got a one-year-old now. And since that, obviously my priorities have completely changed. And so I might spend an hour a week on Instagram. And I, I think that that's a helpful thing to audit as well. Just like how much time you're spending there because we're not physically equipped to handle the inputs of that many people at once without any kind of filter. Like it's pretty, it's pretty tough. I'm grateful and proud to have a platform that's so big. Like people work really hard to make a platform of this size, yeah. but having experienced it now, I know that having thousands of people speak into something that I put out there isn't always healthy <laughs> for me, <laughs> all of their feedback, because there's just like a whole range of people's opinions and experiences. So yeah, that's interesting. There's so many people that are trying to do this, keep up with the Joneses thing. And it's just so unfortunate. Like, I think it was Roy Rogers who had this quote. It was something like, you spend money to impress people you don't care about or something mm -hmm. like that, where it's like these people who I don't even like, I'm spending money to try to impress them. And yeah. it's such a vicious cycle that you can find yourself in. Yeah, we uh, live in Dallas and it seems impossible to not fall into that in some degree because you inevitably run into people that have ranch houses and private jets and go on ski trips and have, you know, a fully paid for house that their parents paid for. Like it, you know, there's a whole host of things. It's like, dang, dude, seems like you're not doing enough or you're not succeeding enough compared to people that you don't even know. Yeah. And I think the famous, I think it's Jim Rome that he said something to the effect of like, in five years from now, you'll be the sum of the books you read and the people you spend your time around. Mm -hmm. And that has a positive connotation. But I think in this context, it can have a very negative connotation as well, right? That's right. Yeah. Get absolutely like polluted by your environment to the point where you just become part of that environment. Yeah. Our passion behind everything is, you know, we're trying to help people earn more money, but the goal, yeah. Yeah. it's it's following John Wesley's pattern of let's earn as much as we can, let's reduce our expenses as much as we can so that we can give as much as we can so that we can, you know, use what God has entrusted us with, these skills, these talents to earn more so we can make an impact on the world. So that's what we're after. And I know full well, like just from a little bit of the ups and downs financially that we've had on this journey, I mean, some of those high times, like it's it's really easy to not begin trusting in money and continuing yep. to know that God is your provider. Because it's just yep. important to know that, you know, when things are really high is when you're completely broke. 
Right. Because a lot more people are praying Philippians 4.19 when they're broke, you know, (laughs) for those needs to be met. But like, we need to be on that when we're at our high points as well. Just remember, it's not the bank account. It's not the job. It's not the income, whatever. God is the provider. That's a really Um, good point. Because, you know, once you start hitting your hitting your milestones and your goals and like, oh, this is working. Whatever I'm doing, this is working. And then you hit that threshold in your mind of a number in your bank account. It's like, oh, now we're safe. We've got six months emergency fund and fully funded Roths and everything. Yes. Like that is, you know, it's first world problems, but it's still valid to say like, we still need God, the provider. There is nothing without him. I write about this a little bit in the book. And this is one of the things I really struggle with about Christianity and being in America. Like, I don't completely know why we get to have MacBooks and surplus in our bank accounts while there are millions and millions of people that live on like $2 a day or something. But I guess we're supposed to just steward that as well as we can in hopes that we can help others and point them to the provider, even though it doesn't seem fair. I don't know why America exists compared to like the billions of people in other countries that are just as loved by God as we are. And it just seems like we can only try our best. Well, I'm thankful for this conversation. I'm glad you came on and chatted. So everybody run out and grab Ben's book, Preachers and Sneakers. Is it plural? Preachers and Sneakers? Uh, Preachers, letter N, Sneakers. There you go. Yeah. So it's on Amazon. Did you do an audible version of it? I did. Yep. Yeah. Great. So everybody check it out. Like I said, I got to start on it and I've laughed multiple times, which is so crazy that I'm laughing in a book like this because it's blowing my mind. So you did such a great job um, infusing humor and making a difficult conversation lighthearted. So I applaud you on that. And and everybody run over to Instagram and you can follow Ben's big old account with 300,000 followers. And it's preachers and sneakers, right? That's right. Yeah. So, all right, man. Well, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks for coming on. You too. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money Podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up.